Hey there, folks. It's PG here with the preview of our bonus after show, which is available exclusively for our Patreon supporters. Maria Nico from Red Fox join us to continue the conversation, and we really delve deep into what makes for good puzzle design. They are obsessed with authenticity of props and quality of set design, and they share hacks for making brickwork look just right. We talk about the future of the directional lock and hopefully leaving leaderboards somewhere in the past. The after show also turned into a brainstorming session where we workshop some ideas for their new points-based escape room game. Here, we talk about lessons learned from designing escape rooms and debate the merits of designing for authenticity versus ease of reset. Uh, I think designing games for smaller groups is easier. It's easier to bring everybody along on a single storyline because if your puzzles are going to flow into revealing bits of a story, the more parallel you make the game to keep a larger group entertained, the less that you're going to be able to have everybody follow along on that single storyline. It's just a design choice. It's a business choice. Obviously, it's harder to make as much money if you keep on having lots and lots of smaller games. Would it make it easier to design for a fixed number, whatever the number is, four or ten? It would also be easier to design for a fixed number. Yes, the fact that our largest game, I mean, the, the heist was designed when we typically would have a large group in the heist. You'd have a couple and then a few other couples would join them and then you have six people. Because it was designed before we had smaller groups, it's just become more of a burden on our game masters to really pay attention to the players in the game and to really read the room better, to send the exactly right phrased clue with the right amount of information to suit specific group that's in the game. There's definitely things that we've learned through designing the games, stuff that I did that I would not do again. I would not put books that actually need to be leafed through into an escape room again because Books are fragile. And what I definitely, definitely wouldn't do is books that were printed before 1941 in the game because <laughs> they're just extra fragile. And then because the puzzle that I created that involves the book actually uses specific words from within the story, I just made my life even harder. So actually the first version of the puzzle involved the book in dubious battle because it had the right words in it but I couldn't I could only find one copy of it at an affordable price on like secondhand book sites so then I had to move over to all quiet on the western front and even there we're probably on our eighth copy of that book by now just because customers decide to like write stuff in the book and they just fall apart over time so yeah there's little things like resetting the game is the thing you don't think about as part of the design process up front. Yeah, books are a weird thing. Like, I think in that one case, I would probably be okay with it being maybe the actual book cover, but inside is not pages. Maybe it's a, a thick, thick page and there's only like three of them with the information you need. You know, stuff like that. I'm okay with it not being totally authentic because I think in a lot of cases, it's bigger print, it's easier to read. I don't want to have to leave through a thousand pages also. I agree with you. It's funny. It's like our version of carbon dating when the order that an escape room company made their games, if they don't tell us the order, we can usually intuit it based off of how long we think it takes to reset each game. 
the first rooms is nothing's glued down and like more items as as you progress down the design timeline. Like now everything's just totally glued down except for the props that you're meant to be interacting with. <laughs> and it used to be even more pronounced in the super early days, like 2014. Like you would play a game that had thousands of little fiddly bits and they'd be scattered everywhere. You'd ask the game master, like, how long does it take you to reset the game? 30 minutes. And then you'd go and see their second game, and it took them 15 minutes. And then you'd see their third game, and it would be like everything just maglock shut. Yeah, but it's a pity. It does constrain your design process. And, like, it's already hard enough to make a game that's compelling on all the ways that matter to customers. So then just adding this extra layer of making, like, the reset easier, it's like, okay. So we still have paper in the games. I could replace the paper with laminate and pens, or I could put in those boogie boards, but they're just so not atmospheric and they're just so ugly. And like, I just don't want that in my game. I feel you. I definitely feel you. It is hard. There are all these things that end up being these trade-offs that you have to grapple with. And some of them are worth it and some of them aren't. Listen to the rest of the episode now by becoming a patron today at patreon.com slash room escape artist to access our library of over 50 bonus after shows.